welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. Hello, hello. On today's episode, we have a writer and editor, Dana Troisi, join us for a conversation all about celebrating ourselves unapologetically. Together, we talk about finding your rhythm with the universe, how the personal is universal, and the gift of community. Dana has such a fun energy. Y'all are going to feel it. It is palpable the way that she is authentic in her expression of self and creates a space with me and our conversation today. So thank you, Dana, for coming on the show and being honest about what it was like to find community and what it is like to be navigating the difficulties of relationships. So just thank you. And with that, I will also be reading one of your Patreon letters today. This letter comes from Sam in West Virginia that says, Hey, Nicole, I really appreciate you making this podcast, and I've learned so much about relationship styles. I'm new to non-monogamy and was curious if you have any advice on how to navigate the jealousy that comes up in threesomes. I would really like to see my girlfriend with other men, but I'm worried about what it's going to feel like afterwards. Please help. Thank you for this question, Sam. You are not alone in this. It can be really, really tricky to navigate the complex dynamics that go on in threesomes and any sort of dynamic that is outside of the traditional norms of monogamy. So I am so excited to answer this question and dive deeper into this with you on the Patreon. If you are interested in hearing more about my answer to Sam's question and also just feel like you want to deepen your sense of community, then definitely check out the Patreon link below. I've created a space where all of us conscious objectors can come to talk about these things, have discussion, and create community together. So if you feel called to deepen your sense of community or to support the podcast and keep it free for all listeners, then check out that Patreon link below where I hope to connect deeper with all of you. Now... Let's tune in to today's episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cool. Well, hi. Welcome. Thank you. My name's Nicole. It's nice to meet you. It's lovely to meet you. Yeah. I'm sorry about the rescheduling. Thank you for oh, being patient with you're me. You're fine. You're fine. All things work out at the right time. It all happens for Absolutely. the right time. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Um, I'm still healing from my ankle. So I'm. Oh, what happened? Oh, I broke my ankle in three different places. Oh, God. Um, that sounds yeah. horrible. Oh my god, it's so horrible! But I'm in a bedazzled wheelchair, so it's like not as horrible. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. So yeah, mobility has been like a little oh. challenge, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that's probably really tough to just like do your day to day stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. How was your day? You know, it was really interesting. I have to say it was a day that I don't know. It was like a random, random experience of serendipity that has me feeling very spiritual in like an interesting way. Yeah, it was really interesting. There was a person I had connected with on the podcast and I had wanted to meet and but they lived in a different state and then they randomly moved back to the city and I was just like out in my neighborhood reading and happened to run into this person and just like we had been wanting to try and connect up and like hadn't like worked out and then just to like find them there was just such an interesting experience that I'm still like processing I think of like wow yeah it was really wild I have to say (laughs) so yeah it's been an interesting day (laughs) yeah so in terms of like recording for the podcast, I tend to just let it flow naturally, any yeah. sort of conversation that we go to. But I also like to start a little bit and ask if you have any questions about the show, about me, about the process, anything that's coming up for you. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to dive in, I guess. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Well then, so who are you? How would you describe yourself? Uh, my name is Dana Tracy. I'm a bionic bitch. I'm a writer. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Two two words in, I'm good. (laughs) I'm the managing editor of Go Magazine, which is um, the nation's preeminent, most widely read lesbian magazine. I'm the co-host of Girls Interrupted podcast with my uh, creative partner in crime, Zara Barry. And um, that's who I am. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then who are you really? Who am I really? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I really am just me. Like I'm just Mm -hmm. like a loud mouthed, unapologetic, um, writer, podcaster. And like, I, my personality never changes if I'm working or I'm not working, which for better or for worse, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes gets me in a little bit of trouble, Mm. but yeah, I just, just like want to be iconic at all times Mm, hell yes I love this energy have you always (laughs) been in this like energy space so it it seems yeah strong in who you are and proud of who you are yeah like I mean I was born missing my left hand like Mm -hmm. right below the elbow and I think that when you are born different you have two options and it's to you know kind of try to make yourself as small as possible and blend Mm. in and shrink away or you can take that and be like, fuck it. I'm different. People are going to look at me anyway. So I'm a rock this shit. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the opportunity that I leaned on that I took. And it, some, you know, so sometimes it takes people a little bit longer to get to that point or whatever. I guess I was just born missing a chip. I'm just like, I'm just like ready to put on all the accessories. I got all the attention at all times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even when I was like little, I wasn't like, I don't, I don't think I processed that it could be a setback or a detriment or even something painful. Like I was just like, okay, cool. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't anything different for you. Yeah. And I know that Corey, um, Corey Ray, who you had on the show, she's yeah. so amazing. And she had nominated me for this show and we became fast friends. We met in like 2011 okay. in college. And I think we both kind of saw that in one another that just like unapologetic mm. energy for better or for worse. We both knew that we were different to some degree, even though Corey wasn't necessarily out, but we both just had that kind of confidence to move about the world. And we were mm. instantly like drawn to one another. Mm. And it's just been like amazing. Like, you know, the way if you carry yourself with confidence, like what you can attract. So it's, it's like, you know, I find it like really like rewarding to be 
like proud of who I am. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you say more? You said what you attract. What have you, what do you mean by that? I'd love to hear more. <laughs> I think like the more myself that I am, regardless if I'm talking about like if I want to wear like six inch platforms, even though I just broke my fucking ankle. Um, so maybe I'll learn my lesson, but probably not. Um, or I want to, you know, like speak my mind or mm. perform or, or whatever. I think if you, the more I'm leaning into myself, which is, you know, inevitably connected to being a dyke and having a disability, I think mm. that those opportunities, like opportunities open up for me. Like when I'm trying, when I was trying to be more like politically correct or whatever, and write on the internet, like, well, my clear identity intersects with my arm. Like, those opportunities were coming to me, but they weren't the opportunities that I wanted. Mm. And the second I started just being myself and opening up, yeah, I, you know, I, I got a really amazing job at Go Magazine. I, yeah. you know, I started this podcast uh, called Girls Interrupted with my best friend Zara. I have done all this amazing video work. And I think that like, it sounds really like corny and woo woo and very much the opposite of how I normally talk. But I think the universe, like you just, yeah, you open it up and the universe provides. And I think the way you open it up is you just step into yourself, whoever mm. that is. Mm-hmm. Yes, I <laughs> want to hear more. Like, what do you think that is? Do you feel like it's like a rhythm? Like, what is that? I, I think it's a rhythm. I think it's a very yeah. like symbiotic relationship with, I guess like uh, maybe even like a higher power if we're going to go there. Anywhere, you know? For sure. Yeah. But I think it's also just like, a, a vibe and also a gift that you give to other people because mm. when I think about and I think a lot of people have a person in their lives like this whether you know you were a young queer person and you saw someone like super out or you were like a young disabled person and you saw someone like rocking their disability or whatever it is like I think when you um present that like you are really like changing people's lives and whatever so I think that mm. like that just opens up so much like I know that the first time I saw someone wearing um, a bionic arm. Her name mm. was, is Angel Jufria. She's an actor. She's really amazing. And I had never seen, I, I had written a piece um, for Jezebel called Getting Slutty at Amp Camp. Mm-hmm. And it was like a piece about um, when I used to go to this camp for kids with limb differences and how everyone expected us to be like wholesome and cute and talking about disabilities. But we were just like, do you suck dick? Like we were just like little kids, like not little kids, but we were like teens, like wanting to talk about sex and shit. Right. So she had Obviously. messaged me. Yeah. What, what else do you do? Account? I know. Right. <laughs> Hormones. <laughs> <laughs> so Angel had messaged me and was like, I actually went to that camp and I'd love to like meet up. Let's have a drink. And when I saw her, like she was gorgeous and like so confident and had this amazing, like slick, like white, like stormtrooper prosthetic. And I've never yeah. seen a prosthetic like that before. I've only mm. seen ones that like are supposed to look human, like skin toned or whatever. And I was just like, I saw that like she was like radiating like like the vibes were immaculate from her so I was like okay like you're giving me permission to be like I want that too yeah so I hope I can be that for other people and I think like to pay it forward absolutely absolutely it's a it's like a palpable difference in the presence of the person right definitely yeah yeah I feel like we kind of put this like blanket, like, oh, it's woo woo or all these different sorts of things. And I'm, I'm struggling to constantly find the language to describe these states of being. So I'd love to hear like, what do you think that is? Like I use words like authenticity, but I don't know, like, yeah. What words like really resonate for you when you think about this state? Yeah, definitely authenticity. Yeah. Iconicity, that bitch-icity. Even if you're not 
a hundred, like I think confident is, can be like a very reductive word sort of, but I do think it's definitely confidence. Sometimes I surprise myself by saying like very like endearing, loving things, but I think it's also like a love for other people Mm, to, 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 to put that out into the world. Because I think if you love yourself and I think that it's a very reciprocal thing and to have love for other people. And I think that that's always, when I can pinpoint it, when I am affected by that sort of palpable energy that you're talking about, I often interpret it as like a love for other people, which again, sounds super corny, but like, that's probably the best way I would encapsulate it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. Right. Because yeah. like when you love yourself, you have more space to hold for other people around you. I feel yeah. like, right. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. when you're like nervous about yourself and like someone does something weird, then it brings up and you like, Ooh, I don't like that. And then what does it yeah. say about me? And it's, it's an interesting dynamic that happens in relationships that I think you're referring to. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. (laughs) What other relationships were in your life at that time? How is your community and the other like significant relationships when you were first coming into the space of, you know, like proud ownership of yourself? Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you say like community, because Mm -hmm. I didn't ever think I need, like just in terms of my disability, like I never thought that I needed like a community Mm -hmm. when I was younger. I was just like such a little cocky motherfucker and- (laughs) My mom was like, my mom is like very Italian. And she was like, I found a summit camp for you to go to. It's going to be very good. You're going to go. And I was like, I don't want to fucking go to that. Yeah. And she was like, well, it's the kids like you, you know, you can see other kids with one on. And I'm thinking like, I don't need that at all. Like I didn't, it wasn't on my radar. Mm -hmm. I was almost like offended that she thought I needed to be with people that were like, like me. So I was like, I'm not going. And the way she got me to go was to appeal to my ridiculous ego. And she was like, well, you can help someone and show them how confident you are. So why don't you go? And I was like, all right, I'll go. Yeah. And when I went, there was nothing more like magical. I don't know why you're pulling all like weird emotional stuff out of me, but like, I would cry when I thought about this camp and like, just, I had never fucking seen another person that looked like me before. I had never spoken to someone who also, you know, um, puts their necklace on with like using their teeth or, you know, puts their hair up in like a special way. And like having that community was something I didn't know that I needed or wanted or any of that. And it wasn't the way that I would imagine at all. And that's what made Mm. it so powerful for me because I, I think I thought that the concept of community, whether you're talking about, you know, the gay community, whatever makes you marginalized. So in this, in this instance, disabled, I thought it would be like, we're all, maybe in victimhood or in or in aligning ourselves just because of one thing and I just I it's so much more than that Mm. and that's what I definitely learned and we ended up like being like yeah we do have a shared experience and I first I thought that was like offensive and I'm like just because we have one arm doesn't mean we're gonna get along but it's like we do have a shared experience Mm -hmm. and and what opened it up is that we were all just basically like it was kind of like mean girls except we were missing some arms and legs because it was, you know, like we, there was like the cool girls at camp. There was like the loser girls at camp. And it's like these kind of like social structures just like played out again at, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. But it was like, oh, wow. Like we're not going to, this community is just as nuanced and fucked up and hierarchical and as any other clique of girls mm-hmm. and this, but this one's mine. Mm. And like that just felt really, really good. Yeah, but this one's mine. That that yeah. really resonated for me. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah, how did that make you feel? This was mine. 
just real like very surprised because like I had said like I didn't want to go but also just like but you know I'm still friends with all of those girls Mm -hmm. and it's not like we see each other or anything it's more like of a Facebook type situation but I know that I could reach out to any of them at any time for something and same thing with them for me and it's just like that's something that you'll take with you for the rest of your life that is so special and that's such a specific fucking experience and I, I teach creative writing and I always tell my students like, you know, the, the personal is universal. And to me, that was mm-hmm. a really personal, specific experience. Like yeah. most people don't know what it's like to go to a camp for people that are missing their limbs, but everybody knows what it's like to find community and to, you know, so it's like, absolutely that's what, you know, it's like a very, very universal kind of story, even though it's like very random and specific. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree, right? There's so many different ways that we live the human experience, but at the core, the emotions of love, connection, all those sorts of things are, you know, universal in that. Yeah. So I agree exactly what you're talking to. Yeah, I can imagine having that space to be able to be seen by other people that understand you in a specific and minority way. That's yeah. super profound. Yes. Yes. You know, you know, like when I was, I think the last time I went there, I was like a counselor in training and I was like 16. And like, mm-hmm. we were more like, I guess, sexually active at that age than when we were first like gossiping at 13. Like, have you given a blowjob? And sure, like, sure, sure. <laughs> yes. it was things that I thought that I would never even want to ask. But like, we kind of were like, do you ever feel like less pretty or whatever and it's like Mm. I would never feel comfortable having those conversations now I am because I'm like a fully grown ass adult but at that time I wouldn't want to ever think that because I wouldn't want anyone to feel bad for me or be Mm. like no you're beautiful on the inside like that was like a totally safe space because I'm like all these other bitches have the same exact thing as me so I know this probably crosses their minds but they have the same experience so Mm -hmm. they're not going to give me some cookie cutter bullshit answer they're either going to say yes or no but it's going to be truthful exactly So, yeah. Exactly. And that's a different level of connection. Yeah. And and just in different ways that we have understandings of people. I I I don't know what words to use for that, but it's profound almost like this this level of intimacy to be able to be seen in the processing of how they see the world and knowing that you share a similar paradigm and experience and the intimacy in that connection is really profound. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like a really beautiful thing, you know, like Unless I can't, we'd be like sobbing our fucking brains out because mm. we all love each other so much. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it felt like maybe there was just like a real, like a strong level of intimacy Definitely. that was present. Definitely. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I love how you mentioned that now you're able to feel that intimacy more in other spaces, right? Absolutely. With maybe people that don't share the same identities or the same experiences. I think that's a profound shift that Mm kind of like what we talked about earlier takes a a loving and confidence in yourself to be able to show up into the world with that. Yeah. 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 I I love that you say that because I think it's really important to have that intimacy and connection with people that aren't like you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was young, of course, I needed that. It was a really like life affirming experience. But I think the older you get, like you need to find, you know, it's hard to hate people up close. Mm-hmm. So to, to sort of find that intimacy and trust, and that takes a lot of like confidence and growth in oneself. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's easy to just go up and like fucking bond with people like that. Yeah. But when you can get to that point, I think it's like you said, it's like, it's, it's rather profound to and it goes back to like the personal and the universal you know like Mm -hmm. 
some I'm trying like I don't know I make friends everywhere I go like the fucking frat guy sitting at the bar next to me probably has nothing in common with me but I often make friends with all these random ass people Mm. because like it's like a you know the same like vibration of just like openness yeah yeah I think that's a profound thing that you can be changed in conversation and dynamic with the dynamic created in a yeah, any sort of situation, even our conversations here, right? And we go forward and we take these things and we change and integrate from bouncing off and having these little like chemistry, you know, experiments with other people. I think that is profound. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's why I think studying relationships is such like a key way to also understanding our relationship with ourself, right? Is like sometimes we get into the space where you talk like, oh, it's just a relationship with yourself, self-love, all this. But it also is so much so the system and the dynamic of the community around us. And I think you've been pointing to that, you know, the friend that had the the white arm that was very, you know, I forget what the words you were to use it, but it, it showed a sense of embracing who they are, which I feel like is the boldness and the, yeah, authenticity of loving yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so then that shifts. You see that, you start to bring that, and then you start to share that energy with other people and it changes. I'm sure the dynamic, do you feel like there was like changes in your friend groups during this time and your period of life? I always had really close friends. Like, yeah. I mean, when I got back from camp, like, I think mm-hmm. I just felt, like, a little bit cooler because, like, I was, like, part of, like, the cool girl group in camp. That <laughs> sure, were, like, I love this. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think that maybe I had more of, like, an awareness about the fact that I am disabled and I don't mm-hmm. have to be like, no, I'm not. I'm just like everyone else, you know? So it's, like, yeah, probably more of, like, an acknowledgement in myself. But it's in terms of my friendships, I've always had just, like, totally strong probably borderline codependent friendships I'm just like a really loving person so Mm. I think if anything like they might just got strengthened and bolstered after I had that experience because like I was more confident and happy in myself absolutely absolutely so then if like we look back on the time when you didn't want the community and you were saying that you didn't need it what do you think was like getting in the way at that time of because it did you have a close like friend group at that time too I had an amazingly close yeah. friend group. I just had never met like a disabled person before. Yeah, okay. I think it's like really similar to like when you're when like a young woman is in college and takes like um like a gender studies course or something and it's like, um, I'm not a feminist, but I do believe in women's rights. Mm-hmm. It's like I you know I was like, um, I am not disabled and I don't need these people, but like it's fine. Like, but I you know what I mean, but I am. Like yeah. I, that's maybe not the perfect analogy, but it was like I just felt like I don't need this. I mm. think I'm better than needing this. And I think, I don't know why I felt like I just need yeah. to show how I'm capable. I'm, I'm so capable. I'm going to climb the fucking rock wall. I'm going to do the dance class. I'm going to do all this shit. I don't need sure. help with anything. And I just felt like, maybe felt like I was being vulnerable or admitting that. Sure. And I think that's like, that kind of does like, does coincide with like that feminism sort of analogy because it's like, that's like, oh no, I, I think I'm better than that. I'm not going to, I'm, I can fight against if some guy grabs my ass. I'm better than, I don't need that. I'm better than that. And it's like, no one's fucking better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And once you like think about that and acquiesce to the the concept of no, no one is fucking better than that. um, You can open yourself up to some like much more profound experiences. Absolutely. And once you're opening to like the level of humanness 
Yeah. That there is no like higher level. Yeah. It sounds like maybe it was like this fear that like if I, if I need other people, I'm somehow weaker. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. And in that, that I feel like that can be so scary then to like, to recognize like there's um, a concept. I'm in an intro to feminist class right now. And so I've been uh, for feminist therapy and I've been reading and some of the texts are talking about how there's this duality to human nature where we have to recognize our independence and also our interconnectedness on other people. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot, like that duality of the different states of like, yeah, knowing and loving yourself and also recognizing that we need other people in our lives and that we couldn't actually function without those people and the social connection. And that like complex duality of that has been something I've been trying to like sit and grapple with. Yeah. Yeah, like my mother always says, it takes a village. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you need that people to bounce off and to have that sort of, yeah, community space to be seen in our fullness and to be able to have other people that understand us. I don't, I don't know how we get through the world without that, or it feels rather isolating for me when I yeah. feel like I'm lacking that community to be seen in those ways. Yeah, 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 me too. I love other people. I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge extrovert. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that probably comes out in a lot of the different ways that you're an activist for all the different things that you're doing. I imagine like your your dynamics with people and to be able to create space and create all the different yeah modes of community, right, and connection. Yeah. yeah. Can you say more about how you got into that work from? Sounds like you found people in the community. How did you start getting into producing and making your own things? Yeah, that's a great question. I even have always been a writer. Mm-hmm. I've always just like loved poetry, been obsessed with yeah. it. I, I have my master's degree in poetry, um, which is a useless degree, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> it's a great degree. It taught you a lot, <laughs> I'm sure. So I've always just been in love with writing, always, mm-hmm. always in love with writing. And kind of to break into that space, I, you know, to have a career in writing, I think my first essay was published in probably like 2015 or 2016. Mm-hmm. And that was right after the sort of fall of the the personal essay and the sort of confesse structure. Oh, so it was sure. like after like XO Jane like went down. So kind of these more like essays with like a point or like a nut graph or like politically correct or talking about like intersecting identity mm-hmm. essays were like doing really well on the internet. And I was like, yeah. well, I could do that. I have plenty of those even though it's not hundred percent my wheelhouse, you know, I'd rather write like weird poetry or like write, you know, a, a story about my vagina. But so I, but I was like, I can do this. Fuck it. Like, I'm not precious about my writing. Like I just, you know, I want to be published. And the more I kind of felt like I was playing the game to get published, mm-hmm. I felt like I was actually making real change. And it, it happens like inauthentically. Cause I was like, I'll fucking say anything to get published. I don't fucking care. And then I was like, wait, even though I'm writing these things and maybe the, Maybe the title is not 100% how I feel, but this is still my voice and it's still my story. Absolutely. And I'm delivering this information and I'm getting all these messages from people all around the world. Like, and it just spirals from there. And, you know, I, I got more and more bylines and I'm, you know, mm. very lucky to have written for some really, really amazing publications. And it just, I didn't never would think of myself as an activist, but I think that after, you know, you write enough pieces and people have told you, you changed their life enough times, I guess you kind of are. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So it, it started out like in a sort of not inauthentic, but in a way to be like, I just want to be published. And then I was like, mm. wait, I have fucking something to say yes, about this. Do. Thank you. And like going back to what we were talking about, like 
at the beginning of our conversation Mm -hmm. about just like being your full self and like what opportunities that opens up, like me being my full self is me being crass and loud and ridiculous. But all of that intertwines with having a disability and being gay. And I know that I give other people permission. So when I'm on a podcast and I like, think people expect me to be like, oh, it was a one hour and everybody's special. And I'm like, woohoo, and, and, you know, whatever. Absolutely. So I think like, that's a huge part of activism too, is just yeah. like being yourself and all your fucking messy, crazy glory. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of it for me. That's like what I'm passionate about, especially like with Girls Interrupted the podcast that I have with Zara. Mm-hmm. Like we just say, we're not a wellness podcast. We're a fucking mental illness podcast. And it's, we just like, we just fucking go for it. We say <laughs> yeah. whatever, we just are fully uncensored and the more like I was scared like oh how if I become uncensored am I not going to be a good influence on like a younger girl is missing an arm or whatever but it's like no the more uncensored and wacko I am I know the more people's lives I affect for the better Mm, yeah I mean wacko is like such a hard word I mean I would say that's raw and vulnerable (laughs) right like you're showing up fully to be like this is who I am and this is my humanness and with that fucking ownership and pleasure over that yeah why not yeah 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 but in in our society which is trying to bring us down that is a radical act yeah absolutely like to just be your full self is radical in this society I think yeah, I mean, exactly like what your podcast is like, you know, the, the status quo objector is like, even to object to the status quo is to unapologetically be yourself. And, you know, it seems like a simple thing, but that's, you know, it's, it is radical. Well, absolutely. When we have so many different, you know, pressures, you know, patriarchy, whatever we want to call that pressure that's telling us to be a certain way and to radically alter that and then take ownership in our alteration. Yeah, that takes some serious grounding and loving in yourself and pride. I would love if you could tell me, you know, like I know it's probably hard to pick a piece that you've written that's really like feel like you've gotten a lot of like receptiveness or something that was meaningful to you that you wrote about. I'd love to like hear a little bit. More sure. About, yeah, I, I think anything. that I got a really big response to that getting slutty at AMP camp piece. It was my first piece and it, you know, it was for Jezebel and Jezebel definitely like knows the algorithm. So I got a lot of likes and comments, sure, but I think sure. that was a, definitely a good precipice for me to be talking about these things because it was such a specific issue with disability and sexuality, mm-hmm. which are like my passions. Yeah. And I think that affected so many other young people's lives. Like my DMs were like blown up after that. So that's definitely mm-hmm. for like, that comes to mind for how I've definitely affected other people's lives. But for me personally, like pieces, like a piece that means something to me, I wrote this piece called blacking out in the blue dark um, for go magazine. And it's just like a weird stream of consciousness story about my best friend Zara and I in Palm Springs. And um, we just get like drunk as fuck. And it's like, it's just like these weird kind of non-chronological like poetic flashes. And you know what? The essay didn't really do that well. But it just like means so much to me because Mm -hmm. like, it's just, it's, I just remember that night. So just feeling like I, like it's, it's it's that rare night where everything is just like fucking perfect. Like you can smell the air. It was literally the blue dark. Like it was so, it was pitch black, but the sky was still blue. And like, you know, it just felt like a Lana Del Rey video and it was so much fun to write. And also not to worry about being like, do I have to make a point? 
do I have to worry about clicks? Like I was like, I'm just going to paint this picture and if people like it, they like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I think that is what art is to express a feeling, emotion and to let that go. And some people might not get it and that's totally fine, but it's powerful to have that release. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So do you feel like you're in comparison then maybe to like the beginning of your writing to where you're at now, do you feel like there's been a big shift in your style? Definitely. Yeah. Tell me more. I mean, I think I've always been like very irreverent and funny, Yeah. but I think I've been giving myself permission a lot more mm. to just say, I love that. Just go crazy. Yeah. Um, even just like with structure and not having to connect things, and, you know, cause I love poetry because there are no rules, but I was like, but what if I took that and I applied it to nonfiction and I just, didn't have any rules for that either. Mm-hmm. You know, who said there has to be rules? No one. So I've definitely been applying that to my writing and, mm-hmm. and also being less scared to be really poetic and colorful mm-hmm. with that irreverence. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun to just, I think I've, I've established my chops like enough as a writer with bylines. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, I wrote, had to write an article every day for like years when I first started to go, like I've written sure. so much that now it just feels like I can, that muscle is something that's been flexed enough that I can sure. just play and play and play and play and play. The more I play, the fucking weirder I get, the more experimental I get. It's, yeah, I'm just in a really weird place with writing right now, but I like it. Hell it always yeah. makes me want to question my book proposal. I'm like, this just seems too normal. Like, I want to be so weird. <laughs> mm, yeah. No, I love it though, because it seems like it's uh, tuning into you and to whatever your, your energy and whatever is coming up for you rather than worrying about how it's going to be received from other people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling kind of freaky with the writing lately. Okay. I, mean, I want people to like it, of course, but I just I feel very like in flow. Mm. What is that flow state like? That's something I've also looked into on like the psychology of and the research of what it feels like to be in a flow state. Oh, oh, it's so indescribable. I know. That's why I'm asking you because I struggle. I think yeah. that, okay, so the last feeling I could yeah. probably capture that mm-hmm. I felt super in flow mm-hmm. is I was listening to Your Best American Girl by Mitski just like on repeat over and over and over again. And I was writing, the fuck was I writing? I was rewriting a chapter for my book proposal. And it's like, this is also kind of embarrassing, but I know I'm in flow and I am typing, <laughs> but I, my whole body kind of moves. Fuck yeah. Yeah. You're and like in I, it. Yeah. And I feel it with like the song and I know the song's on repeat. So it's kind of safe because I'm in that same rhythm and flow. And it's like so weird. It's like an incantation. Like I know that I'm in a flow when I feel like my whole body is writing the piece. Wow. And it, I mean, I, it happens rarely because I always have to write. I, it doesn't always feel magical and flowy, but mm-hmm. when it does, it's just like the coolest fucking mm. feeling. Like I almost feel like a snake or something. And Absolutely. it's always when I have a song on repeat, okay. like I pick one song to like obsess over and then it just becomes my whole like movement. Like, wow. Wow. So you like set aside time then to like pick one song? Is this yeah. Like a, usually I just like, it's yeah. just a song that I like right now I'm obsessed with meet me at our spot, uh, the, yeah. that Willow song. So usually I know what song I'm obsessed with because like I just have a excessive personality and I'm always fucking latching onto something. <laughs> but yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. I listen to a song like once, twice, and then I'm like, okay, you need to change it because you know, you're gonna <laughs> wear it out. So I love that you lean full into that. You're like, no, I'm I gonna totally take do. full ownership. I'm gonna feel this song in my body. <laughs> Amazing. So then like 
yeah, as a fellow artist, I'm just trying to like learn from your creative process. So do you like pick a song specifically and like sit and set aside time to get into the flow, like the writing state? Yeah. Or do you let it come to you? Like, yeah. It depends on, because like I, like I said, I'm always having to write. Yeah. So not so much anymore because I'm, I have a higher editorial position, but I am always having to do some sort of writing. So it doesn't always feel magical and I don't always have to set aside time or whatever. Sure. But when I'm doing something for either my book or my own personal enjoyment, like that, like you said, I do set aside time exactly like that, where I make the conscious decision to be like, I'm going to pick a song. I'm going to play it over and over mm. again. I'm going to light candle That's and I'm really... just going to let it flow, flow, flow. And sometimes the flow sucks for like the first 40 minutes and I'll be just fucking banging on the keyboard and writing. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm writing. I'd rather be masturbating. Like, da, da, da. But <laughs> That's the real I truth. <laughs> I just don't let myself stop. Yeah. And I always tell my students that, you know, when you're starting a free write, even if you're just fucking banging on your keyboard or you're writing, I hate this, I hate this, I can't write, just don't stop. Because mm. that's the def- the opposite of flow is stopping. So yes. I just like, I'm, that's what, like, when I decide that I'm like, okay, this is going to be me setting aside time, I will force myself to just keep going, 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 going. I like this. I like this. Yeah, it's almost like starting the creative juices and maybe yeah. at the first part, they're like not really that strong. It might be, you know, not the yeah, best they're like, stuff. Bitch, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but once you start to let that go, then you start to tap into a deeper state. Yeah, of connecting with your creativity. It kind of reminds me of The Morning Pages by Julia Cameron. Yeah. 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 I know yeah. she had wrote a lot about like, yeah, just writing, even if you want to write, like, I don't want it's to like be writing dump. this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe that being like a way to connect. I think. Part of also what you're pointing to is the intentionality of creating time and space to be like, I'm going to drop into this state and set mm-hmm. like, that's a practice. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'm always so curious, like what a different artists do to be able to like get into <laughs> that flow state and to feel that rhythm and feel that presence. So I'm always just like collecting little data. What do you do? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, well, for today, I um, like to make a, t- a tea. I've got a playlist that I love that's like very empowering and kind of uh, talks about loving humanity. So I can feel like I'm very like opening my heart and I light, um, there was an incense going over here and just spent some time a little bit in like meditation beforehand, trying to just be calm and present in my body. And then I also like to get really high and like dance late at night when I can use my heat lights. (laughs) Yeah, I can use my heat lights to set like a scene and so yeah i'll be like listening to music and smoking and then stretching and doing yoga flows because i also teach yoga and then like occasionally writing a post-it note as like you know little sayings and poetry and things like that so like it's so much fun i want to do that right now (laughs) yeah yeah, i know it's great um because like i can never just sit to do one i don't know i like to stretch and to move and to dance maybe you feel like somewhere where like it feels good to just be in your body yeah yeah absolutely yeah. So that's been my practice with school and stuff. It fluctuates in my like availability to do that since I have assignments yeah. and things that are not <laughs> as um, able to be flowy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's been the practice. But I think it's it's always just nice to talk to other artists that like are in their, yeah, in their space and in that ownership. And it's it's a pleasure to get to talk to other people that can even have this level of conversation, I think, about our identities, the community, the intersectionality of all these different pieces here. I think it's yeah. it's definitely a shared thing that's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I want to hold space too. Do you feel like there's anything that came onto your heart maybe that you wanted to talk about today that we didn't hit in just through the natural flow of things? No, I think this was like super flowy and great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I always try to leave a little bit of space um, just at the end to make sure that like people had, you know, enough to like let go in case there was something they wanted to like impart with guests or anything like that, that comes up on their heart. Yeah, no, I think it was perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well then one of the last questions I have for all the guests on my show is I always ask, what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, Okay. Right now for me in my heart, like I probably have like a bunch of answers, but like right now, like how you Mm -hmm. just said, like what comes to your heart, what comes to my fucking heart Mm-hmm. Is I wish it was more normal for people to be know that it's normal to be like unhappy in relationships and mm-hmm. that it's okay to leave, mm-hmm. and that it's normal to feel that way and you're like not like a failure. And I think that like especially in the space that you work in, I know that there's so many conversations about different types of relationships and what you know. But but if you're not as privy to that sort of conversation it can be so hard and so shameful to like, I mean, I'm, I'm getting divorced right now and I have like a very like traditional Catholic family. Mm. And I, you know, as soon as I was like, I'm so fucking unhappy. There's like a bazillion people around me. They're like, wait, I'm so fucking unhappy too. And I'm like, okay, this is normal. We're all just unhappy, but it doesn't mean we have to do this. So I wish it was more normalized to just like not suffer in your relationships for the sake of it. And just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like maybe that's something that like people aren't talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I think that you're you're also pointing to something too that like when you open up about the realness of this, people will just start coming out of the woodwork and be like, Yeah, I have the same thing too. And you're just like, Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so it is normal. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then being able to take the ability to challenge and leave what can seem like a unescapable situation at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really tough. That's really tough to go through. Yeah. I hope (laughs) one of the things in like opening up like that is finding again, community, right? To feel not alone in that. And it's bold to share your vulnerability and saying that, yeah, I'm going through a divorce. This is what I'm processing. But then in that, finding other people who equally open up to you and say, yeah, I'm going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. How is, yeah. How did that feel for you? It's, it feels like when you're about to go on stage or about to give a presentation or whatever you're doing, that could be nerve wracking. And the second you say I'm nervous, all of a sudden you're not as nervous. Like, so, you know, sometimes when I'm about to go on stage, I'm like, sorry guys, I'm a little nervous. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not nervous. Mm. So it's like, as soon as I am saying these things to people that I would thought I would be so scared and ashamed to say, it just lifts and it fucking goes away and I don't feel that shame or guilt or anything I just I speak it and Mm -hmm. it goes away Mm. yeah it's almost like letting it go in that way to the other people instead of trying to hide and be like I can't show people this thing it's like no this is the realness and I'm gonna let it go and it's yeah yeah, having that space yeah like you use the word inescapable and that's such a great word and that's how Mm. I felt for a really long time Mm. Um, not a really long time. I mean, I'm lucky that I was able to realize that this was not a good relationship sooner than most people, but I felt that it was very, very inescapable. Mm. And you realize when you start verbalizing things that if you're lucky, nothing is really inescapable. 
so yeah, and I think it's been really powerful for me to learn that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you say more? Nothing is really inescapable. I think that like, you know, we might think that this is the most terrifying thing to do to leave this person or quit this job or move or whatever the fuck, but like you can do anything and it might be temporarily discomfortable, uncomfortable and weird and inconvenient. Maybe you'll be broke and sad for a while, but nothing. Like the only thing that will make you feel more fucking stifled is staying in the thing. So take the chance and nothing like really, and you're no one's ever really alone, really speak the thing. And a million other people will be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I feel like I couldn't escape my relationship either. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. To be able to (laughs) do this fucking scary thing, right? It's scary as hell. It is. It is, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then to find the freedom, the full embodiment I'm sure has been such a shift for you to come into this space and to feel that freedom, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and to share this space with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really good to meet you. Yeah. It was lovely to meet you and to hear your story. And I just – you're very inspiring with the way that you proudly proclaim everything about you. you. I can feel it. (laughs) And in your smile and your energy, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Of course. Is there anywhere you want to plug for your your writing, your podcast, for people that connect with you and want to hear more of your work? Um, You can find me on Instagram at Dana Treweesi. And um, our podcast is at Girls Interrupted Media. And that's girls with a Z. Girls Interrupted Media on Instagram. And then we're just Girls Interrupted with the Z on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want to listen. And then you can just Google me to find my writing. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're a part of the anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.